Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade here in the podcast studio, joined by my dear friend and colleague, the Reverend Professor Jason Oakland. Um, Jason, we'd like to say hello. Hello there. Very good job. Um, we recorded yesterday, Michael and I did, and we forgot to invite Jason. <laughs> so being the the kind-hearted man I am, yes, um, I decided I would invite Jason. That uh, was kind. We realized that we have not been as regular with our episodes as we would like to be. There's been reasons for that. We've been we've been busy people. Yeah, we've got jobs. Yeah, we've got lives. Yeah, we've got commitments. Right. Um, but uh, I figured, why not try to get two episodes out this week? Um, to try to get back in the swing of things. Uh, next week is the last week of winter term, and then we'll be in the semester, and we'll hopefully be able to get a little bit more regular in what we're doing. And uh, Michael was going to join us because I would I would never not invite Michael. Oh right, yes, exactly. Um, you don't you don't forget <laughs> to invite Michael. Yep. Um, right. But he is teaching right now. My class got done a little early, uh, and he he caught me. Uh, his class took a break while we did. It's four-hour class. You take a few breaks. And that's, he, that's uh, a wise move. He's a little under the weather, and he's a little, I would describe as a coffee, a little coffee. Mm. And so he said, you know, I would, I'm just going to be coughing and don't have much of a voice. Um, why don't you guys go ahead without me? He had recently traveled. We won't say where because it's not our business to share right. his business. Yep. He can talk about that if he wants to. Um, but uh, recently traveled. And, and you know what I find... Almost every time I fly, I get sick. Mm. And it's not like just a sense COVID thing. Like most of my life, if I'm you put me in, in yeah. that, that plane, I get sick after. I don't know why. Well, um, there was that whole, I mean, well before COVID, the immune boost thing was called airborne, right? Yeah. Because of when you go up in a plane, you need an immune bu- boost. They That was the marketing thing. Huh. But nice. Yeah. Learn something new every day. Yep. Not a sponsor, by the way. Yeah. But. Hopefully he will feel better. <laughs> he will feel better soon. So we, we, we send out our best wishes. Yes. To our uh, our colleague, Michael Berg, um, that he will feel better soon. Full recovery, I'm hoping for. Yeah, me too. But we uh, I had proposed for the topic today um, why we do historical theology. Um, I'm thinking... I'm not saying this will be a series one, two, three, four, but maybe we can maybe we can pepper it mm. throughout the semester. Mm-hmm. You okay with that? A little pepper, a little pepper. We'll I pepper it a little, pepper. a little bit. Um, we have at Wisconsin Lutheran College uh, four classes or types of classes that students have to take. Every student has to do twelve credits of theology, and then there's a number that do minors or or take some more because they love us. Right? They can't get enough. Yeah. Um, but they have to take an intro, and then they have to take biblical theology, systematic theology, and applied theology. <clears throat> they used to have a random elective. We created the applied theology category. Um, practical theology, you could call it, I suppose. Uh, things in there like ethics, Christ and culture, apologetics, uh, stuff like that. And uh, under systematic theology, a number of the systematic theology classes, are historical theology. Correct, yeah. So there's some that are just straight systematic theology, 
basic teachings of the Bible. Jason teaches those now, one and two. Yeah. Um, but a lot is also historical theology, or is straight up historical theology. Lutheran Confessions is obviously systematic, but historical life and thought of Martin Luther, uh, Luther or the um, pro, the uh, history of the Reformations, history of Christianity. And an interesting thing with our department is traditionally, um, I would say Michael is the anomaly. I would describe what Michael does is applied theology, uh, yep. worship, apologetics, vocation. Um, the rest of us have been trained as historical theologians. Mark yes. Brown was, Paul Leininger, Joel Pless. That's what Jason's doing his PhD in as well. And... Um, We've sometimes talked as a department, well, why is that, that we kind of, that's where we've gravitated or what we've called. Um, And I think it makes a lot of sense because what we're doing um, is we're we're teaching uh, undergrad theology uh, that's a lot of it built into the gen ed. Um, And being a historical theologian kind of equips you to be able to teach those variety of classes, I think. but there is something interesting to me that we have been gathering historical theologians. Um, and it doesn't have to, to be that way. But I thought especially Jason and I could maybe talk a little bit today. Uh, we've done it. I know Mike and I have done an episode on why church history. Why, why does it matter? We did a winging it series on the history of the church. Um, but specifically to talk today, just Jason and I, why we do historical theology. Um, and how does that fit with the rest. Does that sound like a fair way to, to put this, Jason? Yes. I I, I was going to say, I thought um, that... Uh, I'm going to take a sip from my normal-sized soda. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. I, I, and I'm completely... You didn't bring your little I, No, I tonight. did not. I, I left that um, for another day. But I, I always thought that, um, you know, historians, or you targeted historians to follow... Uh, Luther's example, right, where he says uh, historians are the most useful people and the best teachers. So, although uh, he himself can never honor, praise, and thank them enough. Although he himself was not a historical theologian. No, he was not. And although, I think most people would think he was a systematic theologian, but he was not a systematic theologian. No, no. Either he was an exegete. Yep. Yeah. Although he also was kind of one who excelled across disciplines, which true. was a. Uh, Kind of unique to him. Yeah. So. I think they call that a Wade. <laughs> he was a true Wade. Yes. Yeah, I, I think that Actually, rather become... than excel across all disciplines, I would say I uh, I managed to tread water. Tread water. Across. Treading across. Disciplines. Yes, yeah, there you go. Well, not treading like stepping on things. No. But treading water. Yes. Like keeping my head Managing slightly above. Yeah, yes. not yep. drowning. Yeah, yeah. Coming close, getting tired. Yeah, yeah. But not drowning. Right. You excel. I mean, clearly. <laughs> clearly, yeah. No, I uh, I feel exactly the same way, uh, although that's just maybe even in my, even in my yeah. chosen discipline uh, that uh, just, uh, you know, when you're, when you're doing the, or getting into it for, for the first time, uh, it is, you know, working to, working to yeah. stay ahead. Well, right? and that is the old saying, isn't it? Those, those who tread teach. <laughs> yeah, right. Yep, yep. So exactly, yeah. If if we excelled, we wouldn't need to teach, We'd right? Exactly. Just be doing that thing. Yep. There you go. Yeah. 
All right. Well, we are part of the 1517 Podcasting Network. You can go to 1517.org. Check out lots of good stuff there. Um, whole slew of podcasts, um, devotions, free academy courses, publishing house, great stuff like that. So you can go to 1517.org. And Jason, if you would be so kind, could you give us our disclaimer? Yes, indeed. This show doesn't speak for our churches, our church bodies, or our employers. To be honest, much of the time, it probably doesn't speak for us. We will be thinking out loud a lot. So approach what you hear with a healthy skepticism. Because, well, as a responsible resident of planet Earth, that's probably what you should do with generally pretty much everything. Uh, If you find yourself getting too worked up, tune out, look around, and realize that you're just listening to a podcast. That's right, a podcast. So go live free, friends, and don't let us get in the way. us to our main topic which once again is why do we do historical theology and there's as I mentioned really two sides to that Um, why do we here at Wisconsin Lutheran College and the theology department do historical theology Um, why do we have students take historical theology Um, and maybe future episodes we know about why biblical and systematic and applied Um, but why do we also Jason and I do historical theology. Michael does historical theology as well. Um, although I would say his primary work has been applied. Um, but why do, Why have we chosen that path? Maybe what do we find in that? Um, what is it, I think, um, is worthwhile for us to discuss? And so maybe if I can, I can throw it to you first. Uh, Jason and I have known each other for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, since college, and then in seminary. Right. And then we knew each other after seminary. Yeah. And we know each other now. Correct. Yeah, that's been the basic... Trajectory. Trajectory. We've known each other for quite a while. And uh, I would say, already in college and seminary, both of us were interested in church history. We we like to use our um, confessional languages. We've had an interest in, uh, you know, translating, reading... Um, probably both of us m- more German than Latin, but but Latin as well. But uh, what have people said before about these things? I know we've both translated sermons that others have uh, have given, and so it's an interest we've both had, and now we've had the ability to cultivate. Um, and you're in the process of doing that with grade school. Grad school, not grade school. You already grad. Right. You did graduate grade school, right? I we, did graduate grade school. I don't think school. you ever sent transcripts. And uh, no, probably not. I, I did not um, give you any uh, transcripts here from Emmanuel Lutheran School. I think uh, Michael got me sick. Yeah, he may have. Man, your coffee as well. Well, I just did the there, but I think I also maybe. It was your. This, this was soda your, might be too big for yep, me. Yep, exactly. Yep, that's yep. what happens. I should maybe try the little ones. Yep. Yep. The. Uh, but Jason, I'll throw it to you. Uh, why historical theology? Why have you been drawn to that? Why is that what you've chosen to pursue with grad school? Um, why is that? Uh, you know, we 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 some somewhat get the classes we get here in the department, but we also do have some say, um, and we kind of work our way into classes as well. 
Right. Um, we rebuild some we've built. I've built a couple. You have one for sure that we plan on you building at some point. Yeah. Um, so you've, and I, you're and doing, I've, I've rebuilt a couple, but mm-hmm. not, but not like from the ground up type of yeah. course. Yeah. But you've made your way to those courses. Yep. Right. right. Yes. Um, so, so why is that? Why historical theology? Or what, and maybe part of that, what do you even consider historical theology to be? Yeah, so um, I'll maybe uh, talk about what what drew me there and then kind of get into some of the other questions maybe along the way. Um, as And I might just keep throwing questions at you while you do that, just so you know. Yeah, right, yeah. Because I'm very caffeinated. <laughs> right, yeah. So look at how much of that. Man, that, that is it, yeah. That's like two well, of your little ones. Yep, exactly, yes. Okay, so, go ahead. So, I mean, <clears throat> I'll say my first acquaintance with... Um, Historical theology came during confirmation when we did a unit on the Reformation, a specifically kind of life life of Luther type of thing, and there's just something about that 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 clicked for me and um, was sparked interest at you know for sure and um, <clears throat> and I was drawn to that. I, I'll also say that um, I didn't think compared to a couple of the other programs that we had in high school, our history program maybe wasn't this. As strong as some of our other programs, I thought, um, but then it was in college again where that really kind of reignited um, my interest and enjoyment of that um, and history in general, but but also uh, and especially maybe so church history. And I think what are some what are some of the reasons? Although I can attest that Jason does enjoy history as history as well, because yeah, he does drop historical data on me right that's not christian or churchy also so right yeah and that was when we talked about our um trip to rome Mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of history that we talked about that wasn't church related and a lot that we got to appreciate that wasn't necessarily and that's maybe something for us to circle back to later is yeah how his are you a historian or a theologian or what you right how these relate yeah yeah sorry go ahead though no that's a good that's a good thought and I will say I think some of the things that really appealed to me is that in some ways, you know, history touches on, you know, everything has a history to it. So I think in some ways it's broad reaching, uh, which there's an appeal to that. That um, and, and it's kind of interesting in some of my studies now even um, at uh, I've talked to one or two uh, of my classmates in our Ph.D. program. And they're like, man, it seems like we always there's always history stuff that we're dealing with. And um, although this was a systematics class, you know, there's a lot of history. Um, and uh, then uh, there was, uh, um, I think, also along with that. So, so that this idea of that it, it it stretches across disciplines and and you know, kind of anchors a lot of different things. Um, there's also the idea that. Um, when you're studying history, uh, you also get to see, in some ways, the the fingerprints of God in ways that, in more concrete ways, I would say, uh, than you do in some of the other disciplines that you know, obviously outside of you know direct biblical theology when you're studying Scripture itself, and I think. You know that was always something that that appealed to me too. Is that um, you're able to see how some of these 
teachings, some of these principles, some of these truths that are that are given in Scripture, then have played out, and you see the um, the dangers that that come and the the problems that have arisen at times when people have strayed from those. Um, but you also see um, blessings that result um, when people strive to hold to those. I think it it encourages the um, um, provides points of encouragement in times of struggle, um, but also the reminder that um, keep keep a little bit more balanced in times of success as well, because uh, it gives you perspective, right? It gives you perspective on the things of the the things of the present or looking into the future. It helps it helps grant a bit of balance and perspective there. And, I, and I'll say that's just something for me personally. Uh, I tend to really value and appreciate looking backwards, looking to history to gain that perspective on here and now and looking ahead. And I think that, um, you know, you, you can gain a great appreciation for the blessings that you're enjoying at a time or the understanding that, you know, hey, this maybe isn't as bad as you as you think it might be, or it's been far worse at times. And I think um, that understanding how the Lord has kept his promises uh, throughout not only biblical history, but the 2,000 years of Christian history since, um, that also gives that encouragement that, you know, uh, he's going to continue to keep his promises to his people, and that includes you and me right here and now, and our children and grandchildren and grandchildren's grandchildren going into the future if the world lasts that long. And I think those are, those are some, some neat things um, that have drawn me there. And I don't know if that um, has maybe touched on a couple of your other questions, but I don't know if there's anything that you want to specifically pick apart a little yeah, further No, I think that's helpful for now. Point. And I, I got a couple notes of, of stuff for us to hit on out of that. Um, and I would say, I mean, that's that's very similar to what's drawn me. My PhD is is more pure history. I have a PhD mm-hmm. in history. And, uh, <clears throat> I didn't go to a, <clears throat> a a Christian university, um, but uh, but my dissertation and my right my first right. master's thesis is on is doing historical theology. It's looking at of a figure. Um, I do I did intellectual history, right? So. Um, I would say that I, I I like that you point out interest in history in general and then historical theology, and I think that fits a little bit with what we were talking about yesterday. You remember when we recorded yesterday? Yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> Did you listen to that? I I have not yet. Okay, but uh, but we were talking about his his uh, Christianity is true myth and C.S. Yeah. Lewis and um part of what we talked about there and what Lewis gets at is right there, God's story is in all of history. It's not mm-hmm. just what we consider the Bible history, and you can see much which is true and echoes God's truth um, throughout history, I would say, in general. But you can also learn a lot about people, societies, yeah. yep. um, things of that sort. Um, but maybe if we if we get into, I think maybe this is a good way for us to dive into then, what? how would we describe historical theology? Historical theology is kind of like the, maybe the, the middle child, like of theological <laughs> yeah. disciplines, um, it's somewhat a more modern development. 
Yes. For it to be something that someone even calls themselves a historical theologian or to be doing it. Well, I think, you know, so I think some of it is like those divisions of theology are relatively modern, right? I mean, that, what is that? Is it 17th or um, 18th century into the 19th century? I think it's a 19th century <laughs> thing, really, where they where they start talking yeah, about the... especially in Germany. Yeah, yeah the four disciplines of, of theology as... as you were kind of hinting at earlier, right? And especially this as a discipline. Yeah, yeah, right. And especially, you know, history as a discipline. Although church history, the study of history is not new, right? I mean, that Although it, well, I would say, yeah, I agree with you, but I would say um, for most up until really the Protestant Reformation, right, much of church history was hagiography. It was lives right. of saints. Yes. And it wasn't um, or a discipline per se. It was more an art than a discipline. Or it was um, the the idea of like um, the and I'm trying I'm blanking on the term now the that they were just kind of annual recollections right like they, they were um, it you cent- know, like centuries yeah uh, um, I mean you have Eusebius who's doing church yep. history which but is, then you have a long which is early yeah you know very early yep. but then there's a long gap of not really so much yep. purely that and then you're gonna get the Magdeburg centuries and, yep. and um, more and what it, we would consider writing yep. his, his church history in the moderns as a discipline. Yeah, and I would say that, and this would be one, it might be kind of interesting to talk about that because um, that, it really was the Lutheran reformers that the, the, the way we think of the study of history now. Right, it's a shape, very Protestant thing, Lutheran yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, and a very, right, and exactly was, Witten was focused in Wittenberg. And there's right? a reason then that discipline really emerges yeah. in Germany. Yeah. yeah. But so even then. And that's know, not to say, though, I mean, there's the Bible is history. The New Testament sure, is yeah, history, right? Yeah. And there's, um, you have especially post-Constantine desires to locate these historical sites in the Holy Land to preserve yep. them. Um, I, I'm not saying no one was doing history. Right. But as we think of it as a discipline. Yes, as we yeah. think of it as a discipline, it's really... At the time, it, its birth really comes at the time of the Reformation, and it doesn't mature right. for. It's kind of the difference of like the stories your family tells about your family. Yeah, you know, and your grandpa and your great grandpa and whatever. That's history, and that's good. But right, that was how, and that's how the church was doing a lot. Yep. But the idea of now um, trying to take when I say scientific, I don't mean the um, scientific method. Mm-hmm. But right here's. Um, an academic standardized kind of way of, of yes. doing this. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, so that would be... And it's odd. Mm-hmm. Or a counter, I think, counterintuitive that it, it that it does emerge out of Protestantism and not Roman yeah. Catholicism. Yep. But it makes sense when you realize that Roman Catholicism was saying that Protestant... And here at Protestantism, I mean Lutheranism. Yep. Um, that they were innovators, that they were coming yep. up with new things. And so the Lutherans had an impetus to say, no, this is... This, this is the old thing. And then to also want to show continuity. Yes. Um, the yep. reform kind of more adopt a rupture view of, yeah, basically the church kind of just went away for a while. Yeah. Um, whereas the Lutherans want to show sometimes it was a remnant, but there was, and the church is never perfect, but that there was always right. the gospel. Yeah. Yep. So we tangent, we got on a tangent a bit. What were we going for? Okay. So what is, what is, Historical theology. And it wasn't really a tangent because we brought up, you know, the church has always done history. But when we're talking about, right, you're studying historical theology, and that means a very specific thing. 
um, at in St. Louis, yep. um, or any any grad school that has a program, what do we? Um, is it history? Is it theology? What do we mean by historical theology? And then after that, I'd like us to hit on how does historical theology relate to the Bible? How does it relate to systematics or to right. dogma? How does it relate to the Christian life? But maybe if we just start broadly, sure. What do we mean by historical theology? Yeah. So I think are you, you just know, learning names and dates and places? Right. And I mean, there, there, there is some of that, right? I mean, you have to, you have to know the names and dates and places to a degree, but that's I only not remember the, the ones that rhyme. <laughs> right. Yeah. If there's a, yeah. If you have a catchy little thing. Yeah. Um, but that's not the chief purpose of historical theology, right? So, so you, you are spending time with the history and the, and the, the nuts and bolts of that, the names, the dates, the places, but uh, in a lot of ways, you're looking forward, or you're looking for Kobe. Nice. I should have called Bank. Three pointers. Yeah. Well, Bank Back hours board. are open. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, so there's this um, seeing of how seeing how the the gospel. And God working through the gospel um, plays out in history, which I was kind of hinting at earlier, but but it is where you get to see how um, these things that had their beginning in Palestine, you know, two thousand years ago. Uh, Please don't make this a politically loaded no. episode <laughs> in Israel, is it, in Judah. What do you want to? What What's your preferred term? No, I don't even know. Palestine yeah. is what the Romans called it, to right? Them, yeah, because they destroyed Judea after they crushed the Jewish rebellion. They wanted to give it a new name, so that's the yeah. Philistines. The Philistines, uh, yeah. So, the the land formerly known as Canaan. <laughs> we'll go with that. The land formerly known as Canaan. So, and not only two thousand years ago, but back into the Old Testament. You know, so so that's biblical biblical history, but you know, it's the the working of God among His people, the the God. God continuing to work through the gospel um, that wasn't just for that window of time that we have recorded in the Bible, but that continues on still, right? And the historical theology, I think, really is looking at how God continues to work through the gospel among his people uh, in the world. And that, that you can... It's set within that time frame or that um, framework, excuse me, of people and places and dates and things like that and, and political events and, you know, all of those sort of things. But the historical theology part is um, seeking to understand the, that interplay of those people and, uh, at those times, in those places, with the words and promises of God, and and seeing how um, God continues to interact with with His people through that gospel, uh, and I think that's really kind of what what you're getting at, right? I mean, or what what the historical theologian is um, seeking? Um, how is it that? You know these people. What did they do with these words, these teachings, these promises of God? Um, and 
where do you see, you know, um, and, and you have to be a little bit careful in that you're not saying, oh, clearly this is an example, you know, God's, God, um, I, I, you know, I see God behind this person or God was speaking through that person. Um, but the idea that, you know, And we God, do know God does that because oh, yeah. there are times where, the, especially the Old Testament, yep. clearly says this is what God was doing. So we know he does it. But outside of the inspired word of God, we don't have the ability should, to say for sure. But have a bit of humility in that. But you you do just as you study the heavens and you yep. learn of the glory of God. You you can see yeah. the unfolding of things, yes. And I think along with that, not only how God continues to work with his people, among his people with the, with his word and promise, but how he continues to preserve not only the word, but preserve his people, preserve the church um, through some pretty challenging times, you know. And sometimes it's the times of prosperity that prove most challenging for the church. So I think that's kind of the, you know, what that is or what you're looking for when you're doing historical theology. So, I mean, you're engaging with the history, but it's also more than just the, the people and places and dates. It's that um, interaction with the gospel, that engagement with the words and teachings of God, um, the activity of God in preserving his word, his people, his church, um, that really takes, I should say, uh, or that takes precedent, I would say, in um, the historical theology. Yeah, and I oh, know I think that that covers it pretty well. Um, and I would just say as well that, um, especially from the Lutheran view again, mm-hmm. um, it's pretty common for us to, or at least it has been in the past, maybe people don't hear it as often now, um, to talk about the, the Viva Vox Evangelii, mm-hmm. right? how, depending on how you want to do your Vs and, and Gs in that. Mm-hmm. Um, would you say Viva or Weva? I would say Viva. Viva. Oh, you could say Weva and make both schools happy. Right, yeah, exactly. I think uh, I think the more ecclesi- ecclesiastical, uh, I, I probably lean a little more ecclesiastical and a little more um, medieval, which I think you get the Vs in there more so. I, I remember when we were in Rome, we were in one of the churches and, this is just what fatherhood is. And I was reading some Latin to say what it was, and my my daughter corrected me. My daughter was never taking Latin. <laughs> I had to be like, Yeah. Look, kid. Yeah. And maybe now, she was right. I don't know, but still. Right. And so, to be fair, you're you're probably dealing with all sorts of different eras and she took German in high school, so she never even took a romantic huh. language that would help. <laughs> Anyways. Um but uh the the Viva Vox Evangelii, the the living voice of the gospel, and um, for for the Lutheran, for the Protestant especially, right? The um, the scriptures are not just words on a page; uh, right. they're not a a dead text, so to speak, um, and they're not even primarily text mm-hmm. as the church experiences them. <clears throat> they're meant to be preached, to be heard. Um, and, uh, and so the scriptures have to be applied, have to be defended, have to be taught, have to be proclaimed in every age and place in, 
in the way that suits, and I don't mean suits as if panders to, right? But is appropriate, yeah. Um, fitting, it's the right season mm-hmm. for that time uh, and place, and so uh, what I think we get in historical theology as well uh, is a robust um, sampling of uh, you're, you get to read the scriptures with the dead, mm-hmm. right? I have the opportunity now to read the scriptures with the living. I can read my Bible and ask Jason, what do you think something means? Right. Um, but I get, to, I get to dialogue with brothers and sisters across time. And, uh, and that's very helpful because while we hold sola scriptura, scripture alone, that has never meant you read scripture alone. <clears throat> As that, in all by yourself yes. with nothing else. Yeah. That was never like the right. American individualist, me and my Bible. Yeah, alone in the... Right. Yeah, right. Um, and, uh, and that's not how the scriptures were ori- originally came about or given. They're always in community. Yeah. Right? Yep. This, this is this is how they were to be experienced, and so I think historical theology um, is a way to uh, to hear God preaching across time and place. Mm-hmm. Does that sound fair? Yeah, I think so. And that I mean that kind of gets into your um, connection with biblical and systematics. Yeah. You know, um, and maybe can I ask one question, and then sure, we'll get into that yeah. list. Um, <clears throat> to what extent is the historical theologian a historian, and to what extent is the, historical theologian, a theologian, and if they're a historical theologian, um, are they doing history differently than the non-theologian historian? I think the this may vary from historical theologian to historical theologian, but I think at least the way um, we have talked about it and I think the way we were taught is that it's the theologian who leads the historian. Um, and, you know, in that it is, you know, the, that it is the convictions, convictions wrought by faith based on the scriptures that inform the historian uh, is, as I guess, what I would, how I would um define that a little bit that and that, I think that's fair I mean every yeah. so every historian um, has to decide what data mm-hmm. she or he is looking for right you can't you can't oh well it was said of was it said of Leopold von Ranke I believe that he that he tried to drink the whole ocean and piss it in a cup <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> you know, could be yeah because you know he had he was history as it truly was yeah you know as it yeah. happened and, and <laughs> you know, and, um, yeah, he's an interesting guy. And like this broad survey of history, yeah. Uh, but that's not how you generally do history. You have and, to pick what you're going to look at. And trying to say we're only going to it, it's he he was a just the facts guy, right? right? That he thought that, he was, yeah, yeah, he thought he was, right? That that you can just you know we're just going to boil it down to what actually happened, yeah, and you know let you figure it out yeah. and. Yeah. Kind of like the old school Fox News fair and balanced thing that they used to. Yeah. When in fact we know no news yeah, right, is yeah. truly completely objective. Yeah. Because even the journalist has to pick. Right. Yeah. Like the historian, or right. like the biologist. 
you have to narrow down what am I looking at? What am I, yeah. what data will I take? And he was kind of at the height of that, um, the, the modern period where it was, right. we can, everything, it, it can only, uh, we can, we can be truly objective yep. in our approach. The real which, optimism about that. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that, that will, that, that will unlock truth for us. And, um, and I don't remember where he was exactly, but there were, there were plenty who, you know, at that time that had completely abandoned any claim of truth that, religion or or the scriptures had right you know any you know that's the odd thing of it is is they were operated on christian capital yeah i mean this this modernism definitely thought it would seek it was going to find truth and an objective truth right um they had just ceased to see the scriptures as the ultimate source of that and and part of that part of why that happened yeah is they they went to the scriptures as just a historical text and not the the viva vox evangelii and um and so it's like, which came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> you know, it's hard to say. Yeah. Um, but I think you're exactly right. The, in, in that way, the theologian leads the historian in, in the data. You're, what am I going to look at and yep. am I going to study? Um, well, and and even, I think also, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, that history is, for the theologian, and I think for the historian as well, history is just more than data. The social and cultural historian recognize. Mm-hmm. But especially for the theologian, history is more than just data. Right. Um, because we have, right, we, we have a God who's an incarnate God, a God who has come in history and, and come into flesh, and he works and who, through history. And who lives. Right, right? and yeah, is that. and is not the dead God, yeah. Right. Um, he, he lives and reigns. He's ascended to the right hand of the Father to guide all things for us. And so I think that's the theology informing the... It, mm. When you go to a historical site... Whether I'm going to, I hate to say secular or sacred, mm-hmm. but if I if I go to Gettysburg, which we almost went to when we went to Pennsylvania, but we saw others, we got a cheesesteak instead. Sure, yeah. and saw Amish people. Yeah, um, but uh, if I'd gone to Gettysburg, I'm sure I would have taken it in with a real seriousness of like this was a big moment for our country. Yeah, a lot of lives were lost, but there's there's an added dynamic when, to me at least. When you're, when we're on the Germany trip, and we see this is the church where Luther preached, mm-hmm. um, it's not that Gettysburg doesn't matter. It's for the historical theologian. the The spirit was at work here yeah. in a in a particular, peculiar way. Is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you know, it, and and with that, you know. Th- just some of those um, assumptions, those a priori things that you bring to the discussion, um, to say that those are those are framed largely from the theology side of it, um, rather than the his- history right. side of it. Although although there's overlap and interaction, and, and we're called there, right, and the historian does make judgment sometimes yeah, too. Yeah. Um, although you know the kind of the old school objective is like, well, you don't make moral judgments or whatever. You just yeah. tell it. But, I mean, the historical theologian all along, part of the calling of the historical theologian is to say they got this wrong or right. Right. Um, and you, you do that Which, based on your own confessional beliefs. Yeah. Um, but Which, you are, right, you're not, you're, not, you're, you're not to the same degree expected 
to go in with this blind impartiality. Mm-hmm. Now, history can inform me and make me change my view on something. Don't yep. get me wrong. I, I used to be a Roman Catholic. Now I'm a Lutheran. Yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, but at the same time, the historical theologian is saying, here's, I have a very specific view of what the scriptures are teaching on this. Mm-hmm. What did they say about it here and then? Or what yeah. did they do with it? Yeah, and I think you know you've been here. You you hear a lot about that in in the the news the last couple of years, right? You you know you're going to be on the wrong side of history yeah. with and now, uh, so people still appeal to that, right? You know that that idea that there are going to be, you know, those who look back on this with some kind of assessment and and judgment of yeah. positive or negative. And what we forget you know, is those people who look back on it might be good or terrible people. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, right. You know what I mean? Like there's we always yep. assume like this is going to be this evolution where like the the yep. people who are more perfect will look back and be Yeah. You know, this plenty there's plenty of civilization civilizations have ended in human <laughs> history. Uh-huh. And the people who were looking back on them were not always yeah. more enlightened. Well, and, and I They think were sometimes drinking wine from the skulls yeah. of the people who were on the right side of history. Right, yeah. Yeah, and it, it is right. It's just that sort of... And, and people, there have been... This has been viewed positively at, at, you know, whatever a certain thing might be. It was viewed positively in one at one point and negatively at another. And, you know, that, that changes, you know. And it also, it, it's like a Western movie. It's white hats and black hats. It, yep, yep. It forgets that human, no human being is. This is why people get so worked up about the founding fathers is yep. you have the groups that just want them to be scoundrels and then you want the groups yep. that want them to be saints. Uh, and the fact is, one thing that Christianity I appreciate about Christianity, especially, is it recognized that even its best saints were sinners. Yeah, you know. It, yeah, in fact, goes out, and and again, this kind of speaks to the biblical theology stuff too. Sometimes goes out of its way yeah. to point out that you know, yeah, this guy's getting a lot of a lot of print here and has done some pretty neat things, but now look, now look what he did. Yeah, now look what she did. Okay, and now let's go down this down this list. Um, so historical theology and the the Bible. Yeah, so I think... Um, I think sometimes people think historical theologians just don't read their Bible. Right, yeah. And it can and, be. Yep. And there have temptation been. when you're... Yep. If you have a lot of time to spend on historical theology, that the Bible reading suffers. But how would you describe the relationship between historical theology and the Bible? Well, I think that... And here we're, gonna, we're coming as historical theologians who have a confessional bent. Right. Yes. There, there could exactly. be someone who's not even a Christian who considers yeah. themselves historical. Th- yep. We're not talking about that. We're talking about this as an ecclesiastical, mm-hmm. right? Right. Discipline. Yeah. So I think you know one of the way or uh, so the scriptures, of course, are the source of theology, right? I mean, they're they're the they're the source of teaching. There's the they're the source of practice. The the the, the they're a source with. Tradition, the church's magisterium, <laughs> right? Uh, again, according to the perspective of the oh, of okay, the, of okay. the historical theologian. Did I just right? do a Catholicism? Sorry, I think ahead. I think you did. Your Catholicism is uh, showing just a little bit, but um, yeah. So that idea of um, that, and again, um, from our confessional Lutheran perspective, say that that's where it has to. Has to begin, right? History has to begin. Theology has to begin. And that's and that's to be fair. The scriptures themselves came in history. 
Right, yeah, exactly. They have a history. They are yep. historical documents with and a so, history. With so if we are going to say they are the authority, yep. you can't understand them properly without understanding yep. their own history. And part of that is, part of that history is how they have been understood and how they've been interpreted and and applied. And so I think there that informs also how... Um, some of these political events and things like that unfold, right? I mean, that uh, it, it's pretty hard to talk like something Council of Nicaea and the Arian controversy without talking about, at least to some degree, the history of how the scriptures were being interpreted, right? Yep. You know, so so there's there's that type of stuff, um, you know, understanding the interpretation of this at various times. Why are they using this terminology why weren't they doing that before? Um, or why was, you know, why was this guy who's pretty solid on a lot of things kind of careless on this phrase that gets so misused later on? You know, right. I mean, there there are things like that um, that, that also um, show up there. And I think, you know, it, again, um, in the study of, scripture and ter its terms and its texts uh the historian understands that you know there there has been a progression and a a spectrum of how some of these things have been looked at and and i think uh it's kind of hard to expect someone from 500 years ago a thousand years ago 1500 years ago however long to have as full an understanding as someone now about a certain teaching when um, they don't have that those centuries of perspective and additional scholarship uh, while um, at the flip side yep and the flip side is also important to understand that maybe um, there are some things that we are overemphasizing or not mm -hmm. looking at that they had a much better grasp right um, and and I think that, It'll. I, I. I do think, and we've we've mentioned this a couple of times. You know what, what what will people, hundred years, five hundred years ago, from now, if the world continues that long, uh, look back on our day and age and say, man, they really overdid this, uh, and they com yeah, right, and then completely missed some of these things that that um, how could they be so blind on this? And uh, so I think that'll. You know, that's always kind of something that is an interesting thing to ask, but it's important, again, to keep that in mind when you look back uh, and are tempted to be um, quick or overly harsh in judgment on some of those previous generations yeah. to say, you know, hey, maybe um, cut them a, a bit of slack because some of these guys were doing this for the first time, and now you have the benefit of reading a small yeah. book on it to get the, the yeah. quick summary of it and yeah and we we both have um we're privileged we're blessed to to teach some biblical courses yes that are really fun to teach in light of doing historical theology we both teach pauline epistles yep and i mean you take these epistles and how they've been used um but i have romans and you have genesis yep and those are two of the the books that just across time people have been preaching on commenting on yeah writing on and uh, while we don't do exegesis in class, our students don't know Hebrew and Greek, yep. um, we do do exegesis as we prep and, and when we preach these texts and we're, and, uh, as well. 
And I would say that there are a couple of times where you lead them through some exegesis yes. without doing the actual Yeah, I just mean we're not right? doing yeah. like what you would. Yeah, yeah. Um, not asking them to conjugate a form or right. something. Yeah. Which sometimes is the enemy of exegesis anyways. Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, but, um, but what we are doing is, right, exegesis and isagogics with a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. Right, We're, I, hopefully the historical theologian, if he's doing his job well, assuming he's an or, or ordained, right, mm-hmm. he's doing this for the church. Yeah, um, is uh, is this is like one big Bible study? Yeah, with Saint Augustine, yep. and with Martin Luther, and with Aquinas. Yeah, um, you know Tertullian, you pick mm-hmm. who, um, and uh, and in I think in in both ways that you mentioned that it leads us to ask what would the contemporary have gotten out of this that we're missing mm-hmm. that they would have understood better because of their grasp of, of the history. Yep. And then what are we able to bring to get with the benefit of 2000 years yep. of scholarship? Um, hopefully leads to a more robust reading of the, of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. What, um, what about, so when we say systematics, systematics is sometimes called dogmatics. Mm-hmm. Um, it's especially the study of Christian doctrine or teaching. Doctrine just means teaching. So historically, doctor meant teacher. Yep. I'm not necessarily medical doctor, although now most Americans think doctor means medical doctor. doctor. Yeah. Um, so a doctor of the church was teaching on behalf of the church, which is why sometimes in Lutheranism where you see things named Dr. Martin Luther, um, the reason that's included is because he was a doctor. He was called to teach the church. Yes. He wasn't just some random parish pastor who said, I'm going to do this. He was called, he was put in a position um, to be a teacher within within yep. the church. So that's why sometimes Lutherans will keep that. It's not just because they want to emphasize, um, you know, do the alphabet soup <laughs> um, with names. But so systematics, doctrine, teaching, um, how does historical theology relate to that? Yeah, so I think um, systematics has a way of organizing things, right? And and I think this this also kind of fits. Um, so systematics has a way of helping organize biblical thought, but it can also help then organize some of the historical thinking on some of these things. And I think it also speaks to, um, you know, we talked about the history of exegesis and understanding scripture itself, but there's also kind of this, you know, history of doctrine, right? Where right away. Yeah. Very early on the church has creeds. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. It, it's mm-hmm. making, well, it's systematics. It's making statements, yep. summarizing what scripture teaches. Yes. And I mean, in some ways, you know, Paul himself is, Doing some of this yep. in the in the epistles, right? That, well, that's what Romans is. I feel most yeah, part, yeah, yeah. That <laughs> it's I mean, it's it's biblical theology because it's part of the Bible, but it's a th- yep. there are a lot of similarities there, right? Um, and so, yeah. So then, how that begins, how that unfolds, how that um, continues to be applied, and how some things are questioned or challenged, or other things are maybe. Um, added as supplemental and things like that um, and why <clears throat> um, that I think you know again 
the that informs the history informs the study of that while at the same time um the the helpfulness of the the organization within systematics um maybe helps also provide a bit of structure to some of these things that are the the discussions that are going on on the historical side as well so I don't know if you want to say too much more than that or um, uh, I'll maybe uh, I'll maybe add this comment one of the in the history of Christianity one of the um, primary source documents that I have them read which is it's from the 19th century it's one of the um, Wauwatosa theologians, um, J.P. Kaler, uh, that, sorry, I, 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 uh, I probably caught you a that. little off guard there, but, uh, <laughs> but he wrote an article called The Importance of the Historical Disciplines, and I think it's interesting in a Christian history class to kind of give them a chance to chew on some of those thoughts that he raises where he says, you know, um, the historical disciplines being historical theology yeah. and exegesis um, versus the systematics and the practical or applied stuff. And, you know, his point was, you know, the, the, the general thesis of that article is that they tend to be more objective, histor- historical and um, exegesis. You're dealing with objective things. This is what happened in history. This is what's there in black and white on the page where the nature of a system um, is dependent on the person who's crafting the system. Yep. Right? Which, you know... When it reveals t- something about yeah. the people involved, the time. Yeah. Same and that doesn't mean it's less true because of that. Right. <clears throat> But it, but it, there is more of a subjective element, and that that's kind of what he's getting at, and and saying that you know, for nothing, if nothing else, you know, historical theology should be appreciated because of its, you know, objective nature in the sense that you're um, studying material that is there. You can you can quantify it to a degree and yeah. say. Um, this is what it was. This is what happened. You're, it's not something that you're creating or crafting on your own. Uh, you know, uh, again, there's some of those elements that you're, you're there is some subjectivity. It, it, and he and he does say, too, he said, you know, there is no such thing as one who is entirely objective and one who is entirely right. subjective. But uh, and the disciplines aren't that way either. But um you know that that I think is kind of an interesting thought, and it, it's it's a it's not a very long article. It's in um, the Wauwatosa Theology set, so which came from Northwestern Publishing House. So get you know bring up a couple more of the of our uh, songs there. But um, so yeah, I, I I think it's an interesting an those interesting are, read. That those are the uh, the green books. The green books on yep. your pastor shelf if you're yep if you're Wisconsin and Lutheran, or maybe, maybe even in your church library. So, um, no, I, I would say, uh, connecting to that too, I think historical theology and systematic theology fit together, and they're very helpful. Um, because while while systematic theology is dealing with the the truths of Scripture and putting them together, gathering them, um, what does it say on this topic? 
right? Mm-hmm. This low, we get the low see these topics. Yep. Um, what is it saying about that? Um, is well, why did this become the debate in that time? Why did this? Mm-hmm. Why was this the time when this teaching had to be emphasized? Think of the Christological debates, right? Why did that? Yeah. Why did that bubble up when it did, where it did? Yep. And that not only drives you deeper into the scriptures, but it helps you understand, well, what leads to this teaching being threatened? Like, mm-hmm. when might this come up again, or, or what did they glean from this that they that they contributed? Because as they went to the scriptures in their time and place, they were able to, um to do that and then when maybe challenged in our day that adds perspective um but also to look at what were what were the main questions being asked right that led to think of like an Aquinas he writes you know these these tomes on well why was he ask asking what he was asking and and therefore the questions lead to the answers that get fit together uh it's helpful to know what have been the big questions? Um, right. Because it helps us uh, compare and contrast the questions in our own day. Mm-hmm. Right. And to understand better um, both the human condition and um, how God and man relate in a bigger way than just my personal experience uh, and restricted by geography and time. Well, and I think you know, some of those things too, that the questions of our own day, um, you know, which are, which are in some ways are in the more, more in the you could say that they're depending on the question, maybe either systematic or applied or kind of an overlap of yeah. the two. But, um, and, and we've had conversations, you know, here um, about different things, you know, like some of the, some of the things that have come up with, you know, um, what is it that, you know, in, conversations with like you know um gender and personhood and those type of things um looking back at when some of these things were being talked about in a different context but were still being talked about as concepts um at different times of the church say hey maybe that helps us to um maybe rule out some directions that you want to pursue or spark some ideas that say hey this is maybe a way that we should be looking yep. at this because that's how they were wrestling with this it was maybe a little bit different question but a very similar answer yeah. based and, on scripture and i would say along similar lines too hopefully an experience that some of our students have in our classes um is there are classes where we have to say like okay here's this thing that's really important but first i'm gonna have to show you why it's really important yeah you know yeah. Uh, when we're in an intro class talking about the two natures of Christ. Yeah. Or when you're teaching basic teachings of the Bible and, uh-huh. and you go, you, the, this was a huge thing that they had to work through. Yep. Um, I think for, for some students, at least, those who are coming curious and, and attentive, mm-hmm. hopefully it does um, open up the horizons of of, uh, of their own thinking and experience yeah. as well. It kind of like travel does. Yes. Right? You... Uh, we, there's things that that we take for granted in everyday life that we grow to appreciate the importance of when we travel mm-hmm. um, and 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 that's maybe true of our worldviews uh not just about travel uh but also um 
just what are we taking for granted? Right. And, and yeah. understanding that how that thing is that you're taking for granted can really open up a lot of new avenues for reconsidering or exploring things. Uh, and that's one of the fun things about working here at the college with faculty in all different disciplines is uh, Jason's better at eating lunch with people than me. <laughs> but you get together sometimes and you yep. have interactions and someone in another discipline is doing something really fascinating and then they'll like mention a theological thing that kind of triggered it or helps animate it for them. Yep. And you go, you know, I just, I kind of taken that for granted. I never really thought about that. And then right, it, it spurs your, your own consideration of things. And I, I think that historical theology helps us to do that as, as well. Maybe the last one here, um, historical theology and the Christian life. Right, Henry Ford supposedly, I think he for real said history is bunk. Yep. And uh, again, that's like the modernist optimism. Of, oh, yeah. Um, now we have cars. We'll be. And right. to be fair, I think we know that hubris when plenty of us look at history and go, they didn't even have iPhones. <laughs> right, they, yeah, yeah. They weren't as smart as us. They can't copy and they didn't copy and paste nearly as well as I copy and paste. Oh. Um, they and. Can't. <laughs> They didn't have, you know, I can Google this in 30 seconds. Yeah. And they didn't, they didn't even know yeah. how to make a computer think for them. Right, yeah, exactly. How smart could they have been? Yep, yep. Um, and, uh, but uh, I think sometimes we'll, people will look at history and say, well, that was a different time and place. What does that matter now? And then sometimes people will oversimplify on the other side and say, well, history repeats itself. Yeah. Now, of course, history does not repeat itself. I don't remember who said it, but right, rather well known as though uh, someone said it does rhyme. Mm-hmm. And I like that. Um, you and, can see patterns. Yep. And it's not that the pattern is always going to play out the exact same way. Right. Uh, but we, we, can, we can learn from examples. Yeah, and I think that, you know, again, kind of the there's nothing new under the sun. Right. Um, tells you, yeah, there are patterns. Except, and except the 2023-24 Detroit Lions. Brand new Lions. Brand new Lions, yeah. That's the BNL. Because everybody Brandy always Lions. used to say same old lions. Same old lions. Which is a different acronym. Different acronym, yeah. Which, is, which isn't as yeah. maybe complimentary. And so now it's brand new lions. Brand new lions, yeah. So um, so other than the brand new lions, there's nothing new under the I wonder how many of your team's players were going to injure this time, this Sunday. Oh, I know. It's, it wasn't good. It's been a disappointing season. Yeah. 2023, 20, 2024 season. But yeah. uh Oh, anyway. Um, nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. History doesn't repeat, but. Right. But but there, I think, too, like you say, that there are lots of similarities. There are patterns. It rhymes, however you want to say that. And, um, you know, it come same same garbage, same argument oftentimes, but just in a little bit different wrapping. You know, um, the, substances remains, the substance remains the same, but the packaging is a bit different, you know, and that helps you um, in Christian life understanding that to recognize some of those things and not be um, sucked in as easily perhaps to... As Paul says to the Corinthians, yeah. no temptation is seized you except what is common to man. Yeah, and, or what is it? It's Colossians, right, where he talks about being blown... Yeah, or take, beaten like the wind. Beaten like uh, the wind, yeah. You know, blown so, about, yeah. So, yeah, so, I mean, having that, you know, it, it gives you some roots, 
right? That that it gives you a foundation, um, and and again in the scriptures, but also in something bigger than bigger than you. Um, you you are able to you know stand not just with your God, but you're able to stand on the the shoulders of theological giants, right? Which right you know where gives you a little bit more of a a foundation, which in, which includes the apostles, you right. know, but. But you know some of those, which is after why the apostles I mean, this is well. why Luke writes Acts, right? Yeah, right. This the whole point is okay. Church and churches, yeah. Here's like how the apostles churched, yeah. You yeah. know, and it's meant to be instructive. It's not meant to be um, a one to one, right? It's there was one council of Jerusalem, but like that council of Jerusalem does give an example of how the church can come together to work through something. And says, maybe it's a good idea to call everyone together from time to time and, yeah. and hash out some of these problems that have arisen, Yeah, which that becomes kind of the pattern then going forward. Yeah. You know? But, yeah. So, right, I think, um, you know, that, that, that idea, uh, but also, um, you know, again, it helps, it helps, I touched on this a bit earlier, but it helps provide some perspective to the things that you're going through too, right? You know, this uh, the understanding of maybe the bad that I'm going through. Number one, I'm not the only one that has experienced this. And it's maybe not even quite as bad as I'm thinking it might be in the moment. Yep. Uh, and certainly other people have had it far worse than me. Um, and I think it also, you know, balances out those times of, of good and blessing, right? To say yeah. that um, these things tend to be pretty rare. And when, you, when you're caught in the middle of them, you know, thank God for them because, you know, they don't, they don't always last. Yeah. Uh, in fact, those things tend to be rather the exception than the rule. And, um, you know, to be thankful for that, to, to take joy in that and, um, Give thanks to God for that, you yeah. know, especially. So, and and I would say, connected to that, I don't know if it'd be flip side, but um, appreciate the good, but also there's um, Protestants are just as prone to hagiographical accounts oh, of yeah. the past yeah. as Roman Catholics, and I'm, right away we we have these accounts of martyrs that are written. Yep. Flacius writes the catalog yep. of true witnesses. Um, and that's not bad. It's good to look and be inspired by the past, but you know, it, it's almost every Lutheran pastor deep down is 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 tempted at times to see himself as Luther at forms. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, um, or we the there is a um, temptation to draw from the past in a very surface level way. Yeah, I see this with my own work. Um, with like theories of resistance, sure. And during COVID, there's people that who latched on to some of the things I work with, yep. As if this was like a one to one of what was happening in America, and I think part of the task of historical theology with that as well is to sometimes, um, sometimes it is that simple. Like you, you, you say when we were in Rome and you were talking to the kids and. You know, look at the that that God gave this time of peace to be when the gospel mm -hmm. spread, and for these things to be possible, right? That what an amazing thing. 
Um, and sometimes it is that simple, and you want to have simple gratitude for it. But on the flip side, mm-hmm. um, it also is a good corrective for maybe when we're, when we're getting too lost in our own challenges to be able to step back and, and to not, um, you know, I, um, Palacios talks about uh, everyone suffers, right? Um, but often right. the, worst suffer, the worst part of suffering is worrying about the suffering, mm-hmm. right? It makes it bigger than it is. Yep. And this is true when you're going to get your wisdom teeth out. Yep. You're actually going to be probably as high as you're ever going to be in your life. <laughs> I mean, I felt great huh? when I came out as sure. a kid getting my wisdom teeth out. I mean, I, I don't know what they gave me, but it was gold. Um, but in the weeks leading up to that, like that was a really big thing for me. I suffered more thinking about the suffering. Yep. And we can sometimes do that too in our own time where we can fixate on something and we, we make it much bigger than it is. We, it's like, we think we're in the lion's den. Yeah. You know, and, um, when there have been Christians and believers who literally faced lions. Yeah. Rather than just a, a mean... Right, or, and, and not or just son. to diminish yeah, right, what we're yeah. facing, but also to say, too, um, but you know what? Maybe even the lion's den wasn't cut and, as cut and dry of a lion's den. Mm-hmm. He, like, if you read about Daniel, yeah, he faced some hardship, but he also he was pretty pampered for his abilities <laughs> in, in other yeah. ways. Yeah. You know, like, that we yeah. don't just get this kind of, like... Yep. Um, Cloroxed, Lysol, disinfected view of things, um, that that God's often been at work in, in different ways. And um, and the thing is, when when we take something from history and then we say, this is what I'm going through, you're going to create a narrative that's just going to feed that. Mm-hmm. And what you're doing, whether you realize it or not, is you're deciding a direction that thing is going to take yep. um, that may not be the direction that God wills for it to go. Right. And so you may actually end up kicking against the goads um, when you think you're being super faithful. I don't know if that makes sense, but yeah. But I do find that with the Christian life and applied theology is to sometimes um, it does uh, humanize, uh, you know, things that sometimes we're, we're, we're ta- we make more supernatural than they, right. or more extraordinary yeah. than, they, than they actually were. Yeah, I think, and I think that's an important thing to say. You know, everybody suffers. You know that whether you're Christian or not, right? You're, you and sometimes your suffering is not suffering, right? I mean, that's kind of the disenchantment that many yep. in the West face is. Yep, yep. We don't know. We're not suffering so much that we don't know what to do, right? Which leads to suffer. We're boring ourselves to death, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, I, I exactly, and um, I think. There, you know, that idea of being able to have that perspective uh, is really helpful, um, and I think that that that's maybe only going to grow. Yeah. The helpfulness of that is only going to grow um, in the short term because it seems that you know, just looking around at society as it stands right now in our in our day and age. Um, People are struggling more and more with that. With yeah. that, that everything is, you know, this is the worst thing that that has ever happened. And, you know, um, it's a, it's a presentism. It is, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, exactly. And so, I think, you know, 
that again, this is a very important and useful thing for every everyone individually to to be able to gain a bit of perspective and be blessed by that. That comes with a set, like you said, comes with travel, but also comes with the study of history. So we t- we hit on why why we do historical theology. Um, maybe this next call for theology, we need to not get a historical theologian. Maybe yeah. that's that's what we got. We got to broaden ourselves. But apparently, according to Luther, they are the most useful people and yeah. the best teachers. So, and I think we're doing a great job. Well, yeah. So, um, but that's why why we do historical theology. Uh, maybe we'll we'll pepper in um, some of the other ones as we go through the semester. We went we went longer today than Michael and I went yesterday. Yeah. And so I think that's evidence that the cause of us going long. Mm. People always say it's Wade. <laughs> but I was the common denominator between the two. That's true. Yep. So, yeah, I think it may be a Jason thing. So you're saying I just brought a lot, of, a lot of good stuff to the table. That could is that, be is that quality content. Yeah, right? yeah. Well, I'm glad you were you were able to join me today. Me uh, too. Particularly as a function of me actually telling you. Yeah, I appreciate that the I was invitation. To re- record. It's happy to have you yep. back again. We hope you all are having a great day, and we rejoice um, to know that we have a God who has come into history, acts through history and is guiding history all for our good uh, so that we can then in peace and with joy and in hope let the bird fly. Another round, another round.